sleepsummitshow.fm.news. Welcome to the Sleep Summit Show, where we uncover bold ideas with innovators, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders making waves in the sleep industry. With your host, Mark Kinsley. He is the president of Raymore and Flanagan, a furniture and mattress powerhouse with 150 locations across the Northeast and 6,000 associates. Seth Goldberg is here and the Sleep Summit show begins right now. We get the best reactions from our customers on the Englander products. Katie and I compare a lot of notes when we're helping people in the store. And when we bring them over to the beds, they just lay down on them and they're like, that's it. They don't want to try anything else. Katie and Greg Law, Sweet Dreams Mattress and Furniture. We've gotten just some of the best feedback from some of the Englander beds. We love them because we know our customers are really happy and sleeping well. Learn more and get started today at englander.com. Welcome to the Sleep Summit Show. I'm Mark Kinsley. Seth Goldberg, thank you so much for being on the show today. You've been in business with the business for 15 years Raymore and Flanagan has been around for 75 years. You watched your grandfather and his brother and then your dad build the business. And now you're in a position of leadership. And you told me when we talked previously, it's really about the team. So thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Mark. I'm looking forward to this. Well, let's start right there. Let's start with this idea of the team because <laughs> we were going through the list and you've got your, your grandfather and his brother and your dad and your brother, Adam, and your sister, Shira, and your brother-in-law, Jared. And of course, you and your family, I'm sure life revolves a lot around the business. This is really a team effort and a family business, but at a big scale. Tell us what that, what's it like to live in that world and, and to work in that world. Yeah, and in fact, I think you you actually uh, forgot two family members in there. So my uncle and 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 uh, my uh, my cousin as well. So uh, um, unfortunately, my grandfather and and great uncle passed away um, a few years back, but uh, they founded the business and uh, seventy five years ago, and we are proudly leading the business forward as part of the third generation of our family. Uh, there's uh, seven family members. That are actively involved in the business, as you kind of alluded to, uh, but you know it's really about the the team and and the family as a team, the leadership team, the the broader Raymore and Flanagan team. Uh, my dad has a saying; he's he's always said to us. Uh, maybe it was a way to uh, help attract us to the business, but he said, uh, you know, we're playing a team sport; we're just playing on a different playing field, and so we feel that is kind of how we approach business every day, and. Um, those lessons that many of us learn playing sports and, and being athletes uh, in our younger days, we try to translate to the business environment uh, every day. Wow, that's uh, get out your pen and paper on this one because we're playing a team sport, but we're playing on a different field. I absolutely love that. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. Okay, so before we get into more of the stories about the team, we're going to find out later in the show where is the strangest place that Seth has ever slept. And that's that's coming up, okay? Because uh, this is one of my favorite parts of the entire show. But first, we're going to do our Sleep Summit quiz question. And Seth, you're going to answer this later in the show. So hold on to your answer, and we'll answer it later. But what is the term for the phenomenon where people tend to feel more alert and awake during the day if they have been exposed to bright light in the morning? So there's your Sleep Summit quiz question. 
Be thinking about your answer and we'll see if Seth gets it right. And we're gonna find out the strangest place he's ever slept. <laughs> Raymore Flanagan, a big name in the furniture and mattress business. Let's, let's go straight to the sleep side of your business, the mattress side of your business. You've been doing this, your family's been doing this for 75 years. Tell us about the mattress department, your mattress sales, how you think about sleep and serving those customers. Yeah, sure. You know, uh, that category is really important to us, Mark. And, and um, I think it was seven or eight years ago, I was leading the marketing team and I was one day kind of just looking at our, our logo, which was Raymore and Flanagan Furniture. And we had been having all these conversations around, well, how do we drive more uh, mattress business? You know, customers are already in their in our stores. They're buying, you know, bedroom sets from us. And we have this great offering in the mattress gallery and our mattress galleries. And um, what what can we do to continue to enhance the awareness that we're in the sleep category? Uh, one of the things we did, and it felt like it was such a huge move at the time. And looking back, uh, maybe it wasn't, but we added mattresses to our logo and, and company name. So uh, I think, you know, we, we made that kind of serious attempt to communicate that not only are we in the furniture business, but we're really serious about helping consumers um, sleep well. And, you know, we've done obviously a, a ton. We have a great um, team in our merchandising group uh, led, led by uh, Pat Judd, who's our buyer, who's they're so passionate about this category and aggressive about chasing the opportunity. Um, it's, 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 it's been a success for us and um, we've, we've done things. We, we pride ourselves on having the widest uh, offering out there in the sleep uh, category. Um, we're trying to continue to improve the brand awareness around this category. Um, our associates, I believe, are the best trained out there. Uh, and, and I think customers who shop with us recognize that. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's important for us. What happened? Let's just go straight to it. Whenever you added the word mattresses to the logo, did anything fundamentally change? Did business pick up? Did associates see the category within the store differently? What happened? Yeah, I think it was a message both internally um, and externally to customers that that uh, we're serious about uh, the mattress business and the sleep category um, as an opportunity for our business. And I mean, despite having to spend the money on changing signage on our stores, which uh, wasn't inexpensive, especially because we have a really long company name. <laughs> so it's, it's, uh, that was that was an effort. Um, yeah, I think it made the statement to everybody that, hey, we're not just kind of talking about this part of our business, but we're really serious about growing this part of our business. And obviously, you know, that in and of itself is not going to just propel uh, tremendous growth. So that that was just one example of of how we kind of made the statement around being in the mattress category and being serious about it. But it was, you know, supported over the years with a ton of other initiatives. Um, our training in that category has, uh, for, for our internal associates, has improved dramatically um, over the years. Like I said, our selection, uh, we continue to uh, broaden our selection, um, enhance our selection. Uh, now, now our selection includes uh, a really wide offering uh, online as well. So we're complementing our in-store offering with um, all kinds of additional uh, mattresses and, and, and other products, 
within the sleep category uh, on our website. Um, so we feel like we're a serious player in this category and we're going to continue to be uh, even more serious about it. Let's uh, talk about that online piece of the business. Is that something that really has been meaningful for Raymore and Flanagan and specifically on the mattress side, because there's so much uh, chum in the water, you know, and the advertising terms around mattress on Google and other platforms are very expensive. What's your participation like and how has that been meaningful or, or is it something that you're still kind of grinding away at? Yeah. Well, I think there's still a lot to learn to, and, and, you know, we don't have it all figured out, but first and foremost, we're an omni-channel business. Um, and, you know, whether we just want to be where the consumer wants to shop, research, browse. And fortunately, we have 150 bricks and mortar locations um, that are really conveniently located. So I think for those consumers and most, I believe, still want to come to stores, especially for um, significant purchases like furniture and bedding, uh, we have convenient locations. So now it's just how do you create this digital and connected experience that, that makes it really easy for the customers. And when we think about our customer experience, we talk about it striving to be exceptional. And, you know, I, I defined um, exceptional with really in today's world, a level of simplicity. Um, it needs to be compelling and it needs to be uh, relevant. Um, so obviously, if you just think of the way people behave today, you can't meet those expectations unless you're complementing uh, your physical store experience with a great digital experience. Is that what you find people start online the majority of the time before they come into the store? Yeah, without a doubt. And, you know, it's hard to get like really accurate statistics around that, I think. But um, I tell our team, hey, think about it as everybody's doing that. If, if we think about it in that regard, and that's our starting place, uh, I think we're going to build an experience that makes sense for consumers today and will make even more sense for consumers of tomorrow. Um, you know, consumers, millennials, I mean, digital tech, you know, mobile devices, website. I mean, these are just inherent to the way we live. It's, it, it's just part of how we live. And now I see our, my kids and they don't have phones yet. They're way too young, but um, it's, it's like intuitive to them. They, they, they grab my phone and I'm like, they, they never had any training on that. They never read an instruction manual. Um, they kind of just born with this intuition of how to use technology. So I tell our team, hey, start with a perspective that everybody is, is browsing on our website and um, some or most of those people have an intent of going in the store. What is the experience that we're going to provide? Hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of retailers out there, they're looking at their customers coming into the store armed with information. And then they're having to do some Taekwondo of you know, pushing and pulling that information based on what the consumer already knows in the right direction to help them dispel misinformation or highlight good pieces of the research the consumer has done and then map that to the products that, that are going to help them, especially on the mattress side of the business. Is that, does that seem to flow for you? Yeah. I mean, I think the mattress um, space can be overwhelming for people and um, we, we have a really broad offering, but we're always trying to find ways to simplify it for the consumer. And so, you know, trying to figure out what really matters to a customer around 
um, specs and comfort and and value and you know every consumer is a little bit different right so we 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 try to serve as many consumers as we can but then you're trying to take this really this broad offering and all this knowledge and information out there and you're trying to simplify it right because the world is just it can be overwhelmingly complex so how do our associates help really narrow it down simplify the experience and the process for customer um, so that we can find them you know the mattress or the sleep system that works best for them simple but isn't always easy it's it, i think it's very difficult actually and uh you know especially in today's day and age where people can get information from so many places um some of it's accurate some inaccurate perhaps but you know you can be overwhelmed with information as a consumer so I mean, this is where I believe we have the advantage of having really capable, qualified people who can still support our customers' experience, right? Uh, those folks um, are, are, are great at trying to help a consumer take this really wide offering with a ton of detail uh, around it and, and, and really find out what's most important to that consumer and narrow it down to hopefully find the right product uh, sleep system for that consumer. Let me ask you a very granular question. Whenever somebody comes into the store and they're mainly looking for furniture, maybe they're looking at some bedroom sets. How do your associates transition that person back to the mattress department? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, one of the things we tell them to do is just blatantly ask a customer how they sleep last night. Uh, maybe sometimes that opens a can of worms, but at least it gets the consumer thinking about, oh, well, you know what? I actually haven't slept well for a, a really long time. Um, I think, as you know, furniture and especially mattresses are a deferrable purchase. They're easy for consumers to say, you know what? I'm going to get to that. I'm just going to deal with another night's sleep or lousy night's sleep. So, um, you know, that's something we definitely train our associates on. How do you introduce the mattress category when someone doesn't come through the front door saying, I need a mattress? You know, like I said, we ask uh, probing questions. We try to get ahead of and in front of uh, explaining the different uh, promotional offerings that we have. We also have a what we call a comfort test. So we'll we'll tell a customer, hey, just come try a few mattresses. They're going to be different uh, levels of comfort. And um, you know, we'll just, we'll go from there, right? We're trying to just narrow this down for you to make it easy and simple. And uh, that's kind of how we introduce the category. We're here on the Sleep Summit Show talking with Seth Goldberg. He's the president of Raymore and Flanagan. Seth, you talked about something ahead of recording that I thought was just a, a great thing to highlight around not doing holiday parties. But before we get to not doing holiday parties and what you do instead, <laughs> what's your what's your dad neil like oh geez um well is he gonna be listening to this no i'm just kidding <laughs> no my dad's the best he's um you know he's he's uh my role model um mentor uh you know leader friend i mean all these things um and uh you know my dad has an amazing entrepreneurial um spirit and energy and knack, but he's also so uh, commonsensical, is that, if that's a word. Um, my, my dad is just so practical and realistic. And, and I think, you know, 
one thing amongst many that has 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 helped him to be a, an amazing leader for our organization. Um, not only has he does he have a drive and the competitiveness that you need to be a successful leader. I, I think you know that kind of for a lot of leaders or successful entrepreneurs, it just kind of goes without saying. But my dad's way of communicating with others um, and, and the frequency in which he communicates, but also the simplicity in which he communicates, which is he, he never makes things more complex than they need to be. Um, so it's easily understood. So people can really understand where we're trying to go, how we get there. I, I think that's been an incredible attribute that he's displayed. And, um, you know, we're, we're really fortunate as uh, a family. We obviously, we have great relationships. I shouldn't say obviously, we have great relationships. We all get along really well. We communicate very well. But my dad, uncle, and cousin have done an amazing job as we were kind of growing up of exposing us to the business, um, never pressuring us to join, but exposing us to the business, to the way that they operated. So we would sit in on meetings with them, you know, as teenagers, meetings that were really important, really high level, sometimes even really sensitive and, and just observe. And, you know, I never really recognized until probably more recently how valuable those experiences were. Uh, we we were able to watch the three of them engage, uh, sometimes, certainly plenty of times disagree, always kind of leave, though, with a united front and, and, and engage with the respect that's really necessary to have a successful family business. Um, and I attribute that to all three of them, certainly. Uh, but, uh, you know, my dad, you know, my dad's leadership attributes, I think, are, are kind of endless. And and I'm so fortunate that. I get the chance to work with them and I have for the last 15 years. Um, and I, I feel, you know, really, uh, really fortunate that I can learn from him. And one of the times you get to work with him and beside him is whenever you go out and you do kind of the opposite of a holiday party, which typically takes place in the evening Talk right. about that experience. Talk about what you do because you're going around to 150, um, locations or gatherings that bring together 150 separate locations and 6,000 associates around the holiday season. And you guys are like a tour group or a rock band. <laughs> Sometimes we feel that way, although we're not as talented, that's for sure. But um, yeah, you know, our culture starts with our, our associates first. I mean, I think a lot of companies probably say that, you know, we feel like ours is unique. Um, we feel and live by the sentiment that if we treat our associates well, they'll treat our customers well. And um, part of doing that is recognizing the contributions of our associates. And a lot of companies do that with holiday parties. Um, I can't take credit for this. I think uh, the credit goes to, to dad, Steve and Mike, but um, I think early on they started with holiday parties and, you know, holiday parties can create challenges. Uh, usually there's, there's alcohol at holiday parties. So, I think one year they kind of regrouped after one of the holiday parties and they said, you know what, we got to change this up. We got to do something different. Uh, what about holiday breakfast? You know, we're not, we're not going to serve, serve any alcohol. It's uh, I think it's a little bit safer. And I think at that time, maybe there was two or three holiday breakfasts uh, at the, at the onset of these. Um, now with our growth, we, like you said, travel around towards the end of the year. Uh, we have, um, 
23, I think last year of these, where we bring together the local stores and the, and the warehouses and uh, we serve, cook, we cook, we serve, we clean up. Um, you know, we really try to show that appreciation for our associates hard work throughout the year. And the other incredibly valuable um, aspect of these is that we sit down with associates. You know, when you're sitting down over an omelet, you know, there's, there's a natural comfort level in, in, in being open and honest. And, and uh, we get really raw and valuable feedback and ideas uh, from our associates about ways to improve the business. So there's been so many wonderful ideas that we have uh, received during these events. And uh, they're really, they're really special. That sounds like a lot of fun. I, I always look at eating a meal together as such a, an important thing because sometimes I'll look at evolutionary psychology, which I find fascinating and think, well, if you're sitting down to eat, you know you're safe. You're not being chased by lions. And if you know you're safe, then you are typically comfortable with the people that are beside you. As you sit there and you share an omelet and you talk to your, your, your fellow associates, uh, you said you got some of the best ideas from those conversations and those holiday breakfasts. What are some of the what are some of those ideas that maybe have bubbled up and been deployed throughout the organization? Yeah, I mean, one of them that we always cite because um, I think it was expressed in such like a simple and innocent way was, uh, you know, an associate was asking us, hey, what do you do with I mean, this is probably, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago at this point. But what do you do with all that packaging material? What do you do with all the, the, the plastic and the styrofoam and the cardboard? that comes with all this furniture. You know, we, we open the furniture in our warehouses, we prep it and inspect it there. What are you doing with all that stuff? And at the time um, we were disposing of it. We were, we were probably paying frankly to, uh, to dispose of it. And the associate, you know, asked if we've ever looked into like recycling the, you know, those materials. Um, you know, at the time it was, it was, it was, early for the recycling efforts that exist today, but we started building out these recycling centers within our organization to bring back all that material, recycle it. And um, it really became like part of our uh, sustainability, environmentally friendly efforts before that was even kind of a thing. And, and again, it was just this associate really kind of innocently bringing up this, this, this idea, but he was comfortable enough to ask us, he was comfortable enough to share, you know, what was a simple thought. And oftentimes, I think what's so amazing is that our associates think, hey, this is a really small thing, or this is just a nuisance to me. And they forget to recognize that it's what they're bringing up is probably impacting thousands of associates around the company. So, you know, they don't think necessarily that this is some broad, large scale uh, idea, but oftentimes um, it will it will turn into that. I mean, I think just another simple one was like talking about the in-store experience again, years, years ago and, and our associates saying, hey, you know, for those customers who aren't necessarily as interested in inter interacting with us as a home furnishing consultant, how can we re-engage with a customer? Like we need a way to like go back up to them and, and, and give them something. Hey, maybe a bottle of water, just a simple bottle of water, right? So you know, we've offered bottles of water in our, in our showroom for, for decades, frankly, because of that. 
And uh, again, an associate had just a simple idea. And now that you're for a larger organization, it becomes incredibly meaningful and, and widespread. I want to put a red <laughs> underline uh, below what you just talked about with the recycling question. That simple question now, if I have my numbers right, you have five recycling facilities that you operate, a hundred recycling associates. You have a three acre plot of solar panels to harvest energy and electricity. And Raymore and Flanagan recycles 99% of all packaging materials resulting in 200 million pounds diverted from landfills since 2002 and growing. One question, one omelet, one breakfast. <laughs> yes, yeah. I mean, it's amazing, right? And the, and the, and the power of a single um, associate or a single idea. I mean, you have to, but in order to do that, you have to create a culture where people feel comfortable um, speaking their mind, being honest and being transparent. And, you know, people have joked with us in the past when that show Undercover Boss was out there and they were like, you guys should do that. And I'm like, we could never do that. Like, first of all, we wouldn't want to do that. Second of all, we could never do that. Our associates, they know us too well. We want them to know us. We're, we're normal people that, that in, like, we're all on the same team. Like, we don't, you know, we're, we're not, you know, these, these, these fancy executives, that's not how we behave. And um, we could never do undercover boss. So that's just our culture. That's just who we are. You know, we, 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 we try to be out there as much as possible in our stores, in our warehouses. I mean, that's where you learn the most. That's where you get the best ideas. And, it, and not only that, it is so energizing and motivating. I mean, those holiday breakfasts, no matter how exhausting they are to stay in a different hotel every night and a different mattress, and you never know what you're kind of going to get. Um, it doesn't even matter because at the end of the day, it's so exciting and so energizing, you know, all the conversation, all the ideas, all the camaraderie uh, that we get to experience during those. So, yeah, you can, I can just see you light up when you talk about it. Yeah, I'm excited to restart them in a few months. <laughs> well, Seth, uh, I, I got to ask you about some some failures. I mean, a, a wildly successful company that is a model for many in the furniture and mattress industry. As you've come up over the past 15 years, have you ever really screwed up and maybe learned something from that? Has there been <laughs> a moment that where you're like, oh no, this is this got went in the wrong direction, and maybe there's a lesson out of that? Yeah. Um, yeah, there's probably a long list. Um, I try not, I try to, you know, I don't put it necessarily on my desk to look at every day. Maybe I should, I guess, but, uh, I, 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 I believe that I have learned a lot of things through those failures. One that I would highlight. And, um, I think this relates to kind of the evolution of our business as we try to incorporate, um, technology better within our business. We have so much to continue to learn about how to better best do that, how to best uh, integrate technology, leverage technology. Um, unfortunately, I got a couple of examples of where we've went out and we've bought technology um, products or applications, uh, specifically one when we bought a website e-commerce platform that was you know, we got sold on, basically, we spent money on, we tried to implement 
uh, and roll out in the business. And it was just a failure. And it was, it was just not right for our business. And we got allured by the kind of bells and whistles of this product. And, um, you know, from that time, we have vetted far better than we ever have any new technology that we're going to go out and buy, uh, even to the point where we often hire partners or consultants to help us do that, because we want to make sure that we get it, we get it right, we get the choice right. And right does not always mean the number one ranking e-commerce platform out there. Right means that it's it's right for our business. It's right for what we can, what our needs are, what our requirements are, uh, what our capabilities are, and our competencies are. So that was an expensive, timely uh, mistake that we made. But um, soon after, we implemented a, a website platform that was right and is working and is really been incredibly valuable for our organization. Um, so that would be a big one and, and, and a costly one, unfortunately. Those technology missteps are typically really expensive and very time consuming. I was just talking to one of our customers who spent the past year and a half working on this migration over to new technology for, for point of sale. And they decided to abandon it after a year and a half of really hard work because they got to the point where they realized it wasn't going to work for them. So I, I think those time investments, and like you said, readjusting and now hiring consultants to do some of that vetting and some of that front end work, um, you know, lesson learned, let, let, let's go the opposite. Have you implemented any technology that you were able to roll out company wide? That's had a huge impact, a huge positive impact, uh, besides the e-com piece. Well, we're in the midst of doing um, a massive transformation with our ERP system. So um, you can connect with me in a year or 18 months and I'll let you know if it was a good move, but we feel pretty confident that it will be. Um, we, we like to joke that 40 years ago, uh, my dad bought a, an ERP system that I think probably every furniture retailer at the time was buying. and. Uh, you know, we've done an amazing job of kind of building on top of it, around it, connecting this web of technology applications uh, ultimately to it. Um, but we finally made the decision about a year ago, hey, we need to change this. If we're going to set ourselves up for success for many years to come, we're going to have to kind of rebuild the foundation of this house. And that's a really difficult decision. And frankly, one that we had kind of deferred and deferred and deferred because it's just not, you know, it's just not an experience you really, you know, you, you enjoy or want to go through unless you really have to. Um, again, the, the proof will be in the pudding, but I feel really confident that this will be uh, an incredible investment to help us modernize the, the technology stack that we have, the applications that our associates are using, allow us to really streamline and, and reduce the number of applications that they use. Because, you know, one of the big things we look at when we look at technology is how do we make, like I said before, how do we make our associates experience better? How do we make their experience better so that they, that can translate to the customer? And, you know, I use this analogy all the time, but if in today's day and age, we're all using these iPhones or these Android devices that just come out of the box, they're super simple to use, and they're more powerful than anything we've ever held in our pockets before. Um, but then I come to work and I 
have to use something that's dated or multiple applications that you know aren't mobile friendly or aren't seamless and, and easy to use like those two experiences don't make sense, right? So um, while I, uh, you know, I wish we were as good as Apple, you know, that's kind of the gold standard and what we want to deliver as far as technology applications for our associates and obviously, you know, for our customers as well. Yeah, if you make it hard to do business with you because of infrastructure or that piping and plumbing you have in place from a technology perspective, your customers are like, well, I'll just go over here and it's easier yeah. for me to give them my money. You're absolutely right. And and when you're, you know, a longstanding business like we are that have grown, you know, in a, in a, in a way that we have grown and often grown by just getting things done, you know, we, we have kind of this bias towards action or I think we, you know, one of the things, again, we've learned from, from my dad and my uncle, my cousin is like, you know, the best ideas are, are just ideas until they get executed. So we are all about execution and execution really matters. And execution all, all often involves attention to detail. It involves leaders, even at the highest level, like really digging in and understanding what that level of detail uh, that is necessary to, to execute effectively. Um, but we don't, we don't do a lot of like strategy sessions. We don't do a lot of like, you know, long-term strategy, strategy efforts. Like we we're really all about, you know, executing and executing uh, as, as, as well as we possibly can. I remember when I wrote the book, Come Back to Bed, in it, when I was signing it for people, I would put action reveals answers because so often people get hung up on strategy and I'm all about coming up with a good plan. I love that. But then it has to be put into action because it's gonna reveal answers and it's gonna reveal questions you didn't even know to ask. And if it sits on oh, the no. sidelines and you, you continue to bake that cake and never take it out of the oven, you're not going to know what the world is going to do to your idea unless you execute. I love that. Yeah. And if you're trying to build the perfect cake or bake the perfect cake, you're going to probably wait a long time to, to be able to, you know, start eating that cake. I don't know if that yeah. makes sense. <laughs> if that, does that there work? Was, there was a really great study I saw done where uh, they had two groups and each group was that the goal was to build the best piece of pottery. And so this was done in an academic setting and they had all the controls set up and put in place. And so the first group, they were given uh, access to experts. They were given literature. Uh, they were given books, um, all the resources they would need to learn how to make a great piece of pottery. And they were supposed to absorb as much knowledge as they could and then, then make one piece of pottery that was perfect. The second group, uh, was put in a room with a bunch of clay and a peel. And they said, start making pottery, just make as many pieces as you can. And so then they had independent judges at the very end who were tasked with saying, which is the best piece of pottery. And at the very end, the group with all of the knowledge and resources and, and everything they needed to find out what makes a great piece of pottery was judged dramatically lower than people with their hands in the clay that said, go do it, go do it and learn. I think that's a great story and yeah, definitely representative of how we've grown and who we are and what our culture is all about. Seth, I've got to know, okay, a couple of things. Number one, you, you're a fit guy. You like to work out and it helps to find your day. Talk about your fitness routine and then talk about sleep. 
Well, yeah, I, I, I'm never as fit as I'd like to be, I guess, but um, I used to be maybe fitter. Uh, yeah, you know, so I uh, like having a routine. I think it's important. Um, sometimes you also got to be willing to like get out of that routine. Right. And, and, and I think that's also important, but, um, yeah, I try to work out in the mornings, uh, you know, as often as I can, usually it's probably six days a week, uh, before the house starts to, starts to wake up and I have four little, little boys. So once the house gets going, um, there's not a lot of time for me to invest in myself. So I try to do that. Uh, before everybody kind of wakes up. Um, and, uh, and if I don't do it, I'm just not as sharp throughout the day. I feel it. I really, I really feel it. Um, but backing up even a step further, like if I don't sleep well, I've, I've always been one that needs my sleep. I mean, for me, that means seven to eight hours. Um, and if I don't get seven, eight hours, if I'm six, five, six, if I'm interrupted, um, you know, I'll push through, but I, I'm just not as, as sharp or as alert. So I'm, you know, relatively disciplined, I would say with my routine. Um, and I, and I need, I need, I need that good sleep. I need that, that, you know, hour in the morning for fitness and, and working out. Um, and then the day gets going, you know, I think because I try to jam in so much in the day, you know, come, come nine, nine thirty at night, like, I usually don't have a lot of trouble falling asleep. So, so, so that's a good thing. That is a good thing. Yeah. It sounds like you, you know yourself, you know, your body. Uh, what, can you say what you're sleeping on these days? Um, yeah, I'm sleeping on a beauty rest black. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's great. <laughs> so, um, one thing I haven't done though, and, and I've been meaning to, it kind of goes back to that deferrable thing, even though we're in the industry, I, I've always, I've, I've wanted to try out like an adjustable base and I just, I just haven't gotten around to doing it. So I need yeah, to, well, hey, you, you know, a great place with a mattress in the I know. Where you can find one, you know, yeah. I'm the same way I had one years ago and now I think I'm ready to, to bring it back um, because I had it and I didn't use it as much. And, you know, I was younger and now I'm in my, my early forties and, you know, I think, oh, it really would be nice just to elevate my feet and that changes. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, maybe we'll do an experiment and we'll circle back at some point and we can compare some notes. Sounds great. Yeah. Uh, we gotta, we gotta know, we gotta know inquiring minds want to know where is the strangest place <laughs> that Seth Goldberg oh, man. ever slept? Um, yeah, I wish I could say something like, uh, you know, in a mattress gallery in one of our stores, but I, I haven't done that. Um, you know, I've definitely fallen asleep in a law school class. I went to law school and and that's definitely put me to sleep. I don't know. I, 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 I don't, maybe that's the most, that's the strangest perhaps, um, you know, probably falling asleep on my kids' floors with four, with four kids. I think that's happened uh, before as well. Um, I wish I had a better answer for you, Mark. I, I, you know, I don't know that that's that strange in the grand scheme of things. And I was thinking about it, I guess, you know, I'm pretty fortunate that I get to sleep in a, in a nice bed and mattress every night. So I feel thankful for that. <laughs> Absolutely. Cause you got to get that seven to eight hours. Right. Right. How about you? Do you, do you, can I ask a question where's the strangest place you've slept? 
Oh, wow. Uh, I think we're going to have to edit out a time period in life roughly from 18 to 23. If we can go ahead and eliminate that, create a donut hole there. Um, you know, hey, recently, you know, I, I was on the other side of the world and I got to sleep in India. And then I went from Bangalore, India to Mumbai. And it was strange for me because in all of the hotels, you had to actually go through uh, a security feature. And so they had metal detectors. You had to hand off your bags just to get into the hotels. And wow. so the experience itself was very strange. Uh, and then the mattresses in India tend to be very firm. Um, 40% of mattresses produced use choir, which is coconut husk with a latex coating as before. And so the mattresses tend to be very firm. Um, so that was kind of a unique, strange experience. This is probably going to continue to come up, Seth, as I have guests on the Sleep Summit show. So I will continue to think of the strange places I've slept, of which there are many. Cool. <laughs> Thanks for answering my question. I'm... <laughs> yeah, hey, you're turning the microphone around on me. I love it. Okay, so I, I, want, I got two more things. I want to do our Sleep Summit quiz question. So what is the term for the phenomenon where people tend to feel more alert and awake during the day? if they've been exposed to bright light in the morning? Do you know the answer to this? Uh, no, I don't. I'm, I guess I probably should if we're in the sleep business, but I'll learn something today. So hopefully you well, can- Well, that phenomenon, and you'll probably say, ah, of course, uh, where people tend to feel more alert and awake when they've been exposed to bright light in the morning, that's actually circadian rhythm. Uh, which is specifically the body's natural response to light and darkness. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And I've heard a lot I of people say really important. I think it's really important, Mark, actually to wake up to natural light. I, my, my, I think my wife would have our room completely black out and, and keep it that way, but I need that natural light coming in in the morning. So I, I can relate to that. I think, I think that's a really important. And here in upstate New York, um, you know, when it's dark at, at five, five thirty in the morning, still all the way, you know, to the winter, you know, when the winter time keeps it dark, um, it's a lot harder to wake up. Yeah, it is. I've heard from so many sleep experts that say, if you can have your bedroom, you know, located on the east side of your home for that mm -hmm. natural light to wake you up. And then many also say, go out in the morning and get exposed for about 15 minutes to that natural light because it's gonna have such an impact on your circadian rhythm, it's gonna set your clock. So uh, always, always good tips. And then of course, have a, have a bedtime. And if you're living like Seth, you, you're, you're going hard in the paint all day and by 9, 9.30, no problems falling asleep. <laughs> Most nights, yes. <laughs> hey, I gotta ask you, what are you excited about, about the future for you, for Raymore and Flanagan? When you think about uh, the action, the execution that you're doing right now, and what gets you, you jazzed about your future path? What do you think about? Well, I, I'm, I'm really excited about some of the investment we're making in, in new technology to help our business um, propel forward, starting with our associates experience. I think we're on the cusp of making our associates uh, productivity higher, their experience better with some, some new tools that they're going to be able to use. Um, I also think that we're doing some really great things and have a laundry list of more things that we want to do to create the best omni-channel uh, shopping experience for our customers in the Northeast. And uh, we're so 
well positioned to be able to do that. And uh, I'm really excited about our our leadership team being able to think not only in the blocking and tackling and the, the running of the business every day today, but also that evolution of our of our business that we need to do to be successful, uh, hopefully for many years to come. And uh, it, it obviously involves us, you know, that, that improvement of our associate experience, improvement of, of our customer experience. But we're going to roll out some things um, from an omni-channel standpoint that I think are going to make uh, the shopping experience with us easier, simpler, just better overall for customers. And um, I think we're really well positioned to, to, to be able to do that and be a, an industry leader in that way. Hey, did I not ask you something that you'd like to touch on? What did we not get to that's rattling around in the back of your brain or maybe in the hallways of Raymore and Flanagan? Um, I mean, I, you know, I don't know the implications of AI. Um, I think uh, this is something uh, I'm trying to read up on, read a couple books and and trying to absorb as much of this as I as I can. Um, you know, in some ways, it's very exciting what's happening uh, with AI and all the uh, the buzz around it and the advancement around it. Um, in some ways, it's uh, it's concerning to me. Um, I think there's just uh, it's so powerful, and you know, tools that are out there uh, like ChatGPT. Just it, I'm kind of in in awe about you know, what these tools are going to mean. And now as a father of, of four, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm often thinking about like, what is this going to mean for the way my kids live and grow up? Um, I think there's so many questions unanswered at this point, but uh, it, they're incredibly powerful tools out there. And I just see it like in the Microsoft products that I'm using every day, you know, I mean, the way that it can draft emails and, uh, set appointments for me and reminders. I mean, it's, 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 uh, it's very interesting what's going on, I think, in that space. It absolutely is. I mean, even just chat GPT alone as a fundamental switch in the way that we navigate the internet. I mean, because, you know, I'm, I'm rarely going to Google anymore. I'm going to chat GPT because, you know, instead of asking a question and sifting through search results, it's giving me collected information that isn't dictated by the website that I need to then visit. It's right. presenting it all in one stream. I mean, just for fun, uh, you know, ahead of time, I just do this every once in a while. I said, uh, five best unexpected questions to ask someone that you're interviewing. And it spit it out, you know, spit out five. And, and that's not the way I do interviews. I, I like to just listen to the person and go to where the interview needs to go. Um, but it, you know, it, it gives you the classic, if you could travel to any point in history, where would you go and why? Uh, you know, if you could have dinner with a historical figure, you know, some of that stuff. But it it shows you its ability to collect and synthesize information into something meaningful you, for you in that moment. And I've heard from other retailers, for example, uh, I was talking to Dr. V with Miskelly's down in the South, down in Mississippi, and they're using ChatGPT to come up with better customer service responses right. when they're using their chat feature. And he said, it's working great because it gives you that positive tone and vibe without the person have, having to guess each time. Have, have yeah. you rolled out anything AI related or GPT or are you messing with that? Yeah, we're trying, yeah, we're trying in certain areas, marketing uh, being one of them. Um, definitely our, our, our chat experience as well. Um, 
you know, I think it does kind of force you to reflect on what the experience that you want to provide to your customers is. And so the way that we think about that, you know, there's definitely transactional, there's informational interactions that are had that, um, you know, customers, hey, I'm looking for uh, when my delivery date, or I want to reschedule my delivery, or what's my previous order history. Um, but there's there's a bunch of, of situations where human to human interaction, uh, we, we pride ourselves on that interaction. And we pride ourselves on our associates having the ability to take the best possible care of the customer in those situations. So it's really a complementary strategy there, right? And uh, and I think, you know, we, we don't do everything we can to get a customer not to talk to somebody in our organization. In fact, if somebody wants to talk to someone in our organization, we're always trying to figure out how do we make it easier for that to happen? And how do we make sure that that person is uh, really well-equipped to solve that customer's concerns or challenges at that moment in time. Uh, so it's, it's, it's gotta be, I think, a balanced approach, but we're definitely trying it and trying to learn from it for sure. It's kind of a small thing, but I think that the advent of chat GPT and how powerful it can be if, if someone harnesses it in the right way <laughs> is making moments like this video more important because unless, yeah. you know, Seth is a, really good deep fake at this point we're having a real human conversation so you know what's happening and you know it's you know it's anchored in reality and not by scraping and, and mixing djing together the internet yeah this is real and i you know i'm real i'm real and and this is real and i think you know as humans we still crave that emotional human interaction and uh you know i think we're you know unfortunately in some ways uh fortunately i guess in others now we have these incredibly powerful computers in our pockets that we're all probably a little bit addicted to in in a sense and and you know we just i don't think we can lose sight of how valuable and important the the human to human interaction like this is i can agree more and this has been a great chance for me to visit with you and get to know more about Raymore and Flanagan. As we, as we sign off for the day, I just want you to pass along um, my thanks to your 6,000 associates for their passion around this category because we get to help people live better lives. We get to help people sleep better. We get to change uh, what's happening in sometimes scary transitions. You know, So often people come in to buy furniture and mattresses and something is changing in their life. Yeah. When something's changing, we want an assurance of an outcome. And it sounds like you have an incredible team and an, an amazing family. Uh, and please pass along my thanks to your family as well, uh, because I love seeing that spirit represented in business and that love represented in business. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Mark. It was great to connect and uh, appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs>